the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Okay, next up for the auction, we have an amazing deal. This beautiful new American Standard Furnace and Heat Pump. It is consumer best rated, has a 10-year parts warranty, and it'll be installed by the pros at Linden Sheet Metal. Let's start the auction. First, for the savings, we have incredible tax credits. Do I hear $1,000? I moved $1,000, now put a bit, now $1,500, now put a bit, now $2,000. Sold! You now have $2,000 off a furnace and heat pump. For utilities rebates, there's a mixed bag. Depending on what you get, there are savings of up to $2,400. We also have manufacturing and dealer rebates up to $1,500. And for our final item, we have financing. Zero down and zero interest if paid according to a contract. Do I hear six months now looking for 12 months? ahead of it now 18 months, 18 months to have. We have a winner. Congratulations. You don't have to be at the auction to make these great deals. It's open to everyone that calls. This deal includes tax credits, rebates, and easy financing. But don't wait. These savings won't be around forever. You too can be a winner. Call us today. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. Tandoori Bites will send you on a journey with the smells, decor, and music of a real trip overseas. You'll be amazed with fresh, flavorful, authentic Indian food made to order. The unique, one-of-a-kind menu items are sure to delight your taste buds with over 100 different options to choose from, including oven fresh naan, roti made to order, tender butter chicken, and succulent baked tandoori meats. Plus, plenty of vegetarian and halal options as well. Hear what their customers have to say. Best authentic Indian food I've ever eaten. Super healthy. I could eat this every day. I thought I didn't like Indian food, but it turns out I just never had good Indian food. Tandoori Bites has a full bar with full cocktails, Indian beer, and wine. Their drink selection will challenge your imagination. Using fresh fruits like guava and lychee into colorful drinks you're sure to enjoy. Tandoori Bites, Bellingham's best-kept secret. Offering full catering services, takeout, and delivery. Located at 505 32nd Street in Bellingham, just behind REI. Or at tandoorybites.us. Well, we got a little bit of rain. I mean, some of the grass liked it all right. We could have used a lot more. And sadly, the amount of rain that we got really isn't changing the picture for something that we've been talking about recently on the show, which is our local aquifers. Uh, As a result of the drought that we've been experiencing here in northwest Washington, of all places, welcome back this morning to the Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here with you on KGMI. You probably heard it earlier in the week here on KGMI about what's happening out near Ferndale. And this is impacting the farming community. I think we actually talked a little bit with uh, Whatcom Family Farmers Executive Director Fred Lickle last week here on the show about wells um, running dry in the Ferndale area. It certainly impacted some residents in that area going back even starting into July, I believe, uh, or or maybe before, but it also uh, began impacting a dairy farm. We have that dairy farmer with us on the program right now, uh, as well as the treasurer of the Bakerview Water Association, on which that dairy relies for the water for its cows to drink. Uh, and his name is Kevin Mayock. So, uh, Kevin and uh, Rod, welcome to the program. Rod, first I want to start with you. What What is it like 
You know, here we're, we're, we talk about farming issues. What's it like to be a farmer and suddenly have the water that you need for your cows to be in jeopardy? That's got to be a bad feeling. Yeah, it comes comes down to uh, action has to be taken right away, and you run to whatever sources you can find, which uh, <clears throat> ended up we were just partially uh, some, you know, bringing our water in. Yeah. So then we had to go to hauling in, which uh, becomes uh, critical as far as uh, we have a reservoir that we pump into for the association, mm-hmm. but try to keep uh, the volume going and not, you know, probably working on the bottom half of the reservoir in order to keep room for when we bring in water. And then also uh, coordinating it with the ones that are hauling it because they were pretty busy with other places too. Now, what we're talking about here is water for the cows to drink, right? And we're not talking about irrigation water, which I think a lot of people think of when they think of farming. No, this is strictly domestic water for either the farm or for our uh, 13 residents that are hooked up on our association. Okay, so yeah, the the association supplies the farm, water for the cows to drink, and I'm sure for you and your family as well, and then right. uh, 13 other residents... Uh, residences, ser- services there, probably, you know, uh, a few different families, uh, several, you know, you know, a bunch of people, really, if you start adding it all up, reply, rely on this water. Um, but here's a, a far, I mean, how much water does a, a cow drink? I, I know I've heard this stat in the past, but they drink well, a decent amount of water because they're producing milk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's, uh, the cows producing milk, also the young stock and everything, but and that changes with the weather too. During some of this, we had some of them hot ninety degree days, and uh, yeah. then your uh, consumption is changing. So the amount of water that we need for everybody changes too. So we were having to monitor at least twice a day where we were. Were you able with you know bringing in water and trucking in water to to keep the cows? watered well enough i mean does that start to affect their health or how much milk they can produce yeah it would it would affect them and uh basically we were able to uh keep keep the flow going and uh had a good supplier you know giving us the bringing in the water and that too so we never really uh, got into a critical stage there but we were down pretty low two or three times well, and you, yeah, you got to know that you have that buffer because uh, all those cows are relying on you. And as you talked about with Jason Upton uh, earlier in the week, you know, cows can't just get up and go find water somewhere else. Um, they aren't just free to roam wherever they would like to. Uh, so they very much rely on you um, to make sure they have water. Again, talking with Rod Erickson, he's a dairy farmer, uh, along with his, his son, Kent, uh, up in the Ferndale area, just north of Ferndale out there, on this water association that had its well run dry. And also, um, as we introduced just a few moments ago, we have with us this morning the treasurer for that water association, uh, Bakerview Water Association, Kevin Mayock. Welcome to uh, our conversation as well, uh, Kevin, and, and explain what you folks were going through. You have been jumping through all kinds of hoops and and ended up finding some dead ends as far as trying to find a solution 
um, to protect uh, your customers and Rod's Dairy and, and, and to be able to continue providing water. That's true. And I guess the, uh, you know, when the emergency hit us, it really started early part of July, and we started purchasing water at that point, and uh, essentially our well output, existing well output, dropped off to the point where we were buying about 10,000 gallons a day. Um, the, what, uh, and, you know, the community that we have here, we all got together and figured, yeah, what we have to do is get a new, deeper well. We had a meeting. We all, uh, you know, agreed to at that point that we will put together our funds and pay to get through this mess, which we've done and continue to do. Um, and that, so, that's funds above and beyond the, what, monthly fee that you guys charge, right? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. You know, a new well is, uh, I'm not going to quote numbers, but yeah. uh, it's thirty to $40,000 for the well itself. Yep. Then you have to make connections into your existing uh, pump house. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of expenses there involved. And so, again, you're right. The money has all come out of our own pockets, basically. And uh, there's, you know, our community consists of a number of retirees. We have, uh, you know, a few folks that are have disabilities and a number of people have taken out loans and have uh, gone in and tapped their 401ks to provide the money because, as it turns out, we all need water and there's no way to get it. The um, what we, we had a glimmer of hope early back in, uh, I guess it was July, the state declared this emergency drought and an emergency drought funding. Right. Which. Right. Uh, yeah. So they. uh so we thought for a moment, well, we'll see if there's any money available for us. Well, you go to the website and the requirements to get money, just as you read through it, are you really need a project management structure to make sure you have uh, standard accounting procedures, standard uh, billing and documentation procedures all the way through this. Well, I can see a lot of people have stolen money from the state, so perhaps that's required. Right. I contacted the state, uh, DOE is, is running the fund, and um, so I inquired about the uh, w- what the availability is. And, um, you know, from that, as you might, might have heard earlier in the week, they said that uh, the water is essentially for public uh, utility systems and for cities and such, and not for private water associations. So we were not and we are not a eligible entity to uh, apply for funding. That's crazy to me. Here we are in a drought. And by the way, this is the Farming Show. We're just hearing there from Kevin Mayock. He's the treasurer of the Bakerview Water Association there in the Ferndale area. It's one of multiple water associations, small water associations in that area, providing residents and a local dairy farm with water for its cows uh, to drink. Um, the fact that we're in a drought, and, and I remember this was already being talked about, I want to say in May and June, and the, the state was recognizing that there was a drought, but they were uh, apparently reticent to declare an emergency. I know folks over in the Yakima area and other parts of the state, as well as in Skagit, were chomping at the bit saying, we need you to declare an emergency to make some you know, transfers possible, uh, as well as some funding possible to help deal with the situation that mother nature is handing us then they finally made that decision late according to some folks that we've talked about on this program we had a dairy farmer down in uh, the mount vernon area uh, uh, jason vanderkoy on the program talking about this 
what, a month ago or so. And that did help them finally. It was, you know, a bit late, but still somewhat of a help. And here we are now finding out about what's happening in our own community where, yeah, Ecology does have money to help folks. They uh, That is the agency to help people deal with a drought, yet the hoops that they have and the rules that they have make it impossible for this small community water association to to make it. And, and now they're having to shoulder the entire burden themselves, whereas other, should I say, potentially... Uh, I don't know if richer is the right word, but, you know, a bigger systems, public systems that have more resources to begin with. Those are the ones that would qualify and they would help, but not the little guy. To me, that seems pretty upside down. Where has that left you? Is there any option left if the state is saying, no, we won't won't help you out with this? Well, what's interesting also is, uh, you know, the state decided that the money's available for public utility districts and such. And, you know, but they're accepting our money in taxes. Exactly. And all of us in this community are paying our taxes that are funding this uh, emergency fund. That, you know, so I and think it's not like the be- state. It's not like the state of Washington is short on cash right now for crying out loud. They've had record revenues. And now the carbon tax money that they're bringing into the tune of over a billion. It, it's crazy. Why, why can't they step up and do this? Very good question. Incredibly and- frustrating when we have real people and a real community suffering um, in a situation that again is brought on by mother nature what else are you supposed to do this is what we're supposed to have these kinds of programs these kinds of agencies for not the first time i've uh, expressed frustration about these folks here on the program and certainly with all the water rights fiascos that we have going on right now thanks to that same department um it just piles on the frustration here with the bureaucracy i get what you're saying kevin about you know there needs to be some controls and make sure that people aren't taking advantage of the government and, and and getting funding that they really shouldn't be. But for crying out loud, if we have a system that's incapable of responding when there is truly emer- an emergency, as has been de- not just decided by someone, but decided by the state, yet they can't get past the bureaucracy and their own internal rules to actually help real people, that's upside down. Yeah, the uh, you know one thing it, I, it does illustrate is uh, for us as our community is we did all pull together and paid for it and got us. We're very close to being out of this problem by throwing a lot of you know paying our way through it. Yeah. So, so how, how has that worked? Again, this is the farming show. I'm Dylan Honk. We're talking with Kevin Mayock, uh, treasurer for the uh, Bakerview Water Association there in Ferndale that had their well run dry. Rod Erickson is um, a dairy farmer in that area and uh, part of that water association relies on that water association uh, to water his cows. Um, Rod, I understand that the actual well for this association is, is there on the farm property? Yes. Yeah. And We've actually, we have, uh, at this point, we have drilled another one. We were fortunate to be able to go deeper. We got down to one depth, and we had to decide, okay, we didn't hit uh, enough bearing water. Do we go deeper, or do we call it quits? And if we called it quits, we still had to pay for the well that was drilled. Right. Well, we took the gamble and went deeper, and we... At this point, are pretty sure we've hit a good uh, water-bearing strata within, but 
the big thing too is it's not just our well, but our surrounding uh, wells and associations mm-hmm. are running into the same same problem and trying to decide what to do. Yeah, and, and you mentioned you know you you hit a certain level of, of water, and it's not even just a level; like it, it can run in veins. It, hydrogeology is incredibly complex and can get confusing really fast and you're just hoping for the best when you poke a hole in the ground like that a really expensive hole by the way as has been mentioned here um, and I know um, executive director for Watkin Family Farmers my colleague Fred Lickle here you know he was telling me that this was going on behind the scenes uh, when you, you folks were working on that and, and he was worried about it he, he was saying you know it's really hard to even put in a well like that and, and manage to get good water he was worried that it wasn't going to work and thank the lord that it did um, yeah. because it, it's producing okay for you guys now and and things are at least sustainable for the next while i know my my home well granted it's a lot uh, shallower with the aquifer that that I have up that I'm live on top of up here, but it ran dry so to speak, and I actually had to lower my pump. Thank goodness that's still working for now. But I know that feeling of can we make it through until we get enough rain to uh, turn the aquifer around? Well, the the well has not uh, been is not producing yet. There's a couple of other hurdles we have to get by, right? Uh, and so we hope to have that available soon. Good. Well, uh, let's keep hoping for the the best on that. And very frustrating that the state has been of no help when there is an actual legitimate bona fide emergency situation for a community. Um, The rules get in the way. And that's incredibly frustrating to hear, but certainly not the first time by any stretch that we've experienced that and talked about that here on this program. Um, So for now, the cows and the homes in that area have enough water. Uh, hopefully we can get through the water there is like over 300 feet down, isn't it? Yes. It's, uh, 350 feet down to where we're at right now. And that's probably cause you're up on those Ferndale Hills there too. So that puts you up a little higher above sea level. Um, Ron, you've dairied there for an awful long time. Have I know you were saying uh, when you were talking with Jason Upton earlier in the week that you, you've never seen anything like this before. Well, we've we've uh, you know we've had problems with uh, you know breakage or whatever, but we've never had the problem with our deep well not producing. And you know they talk about how dry this year is, but I think there've been years back that I can say were have been just as dry yeah. or you know. Uh, it, yeah, I think the records will bear that out. We've had droughts before. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder, I mean, things have changed there in terms of who's all using water, how much water is being used from the aquifer. I know the city of Ferndale used to pull their water from the river. And um, years ago, I remember reporting on, not that many years ago, I want to say five, ten years ago or so, um, the city of Ferndale moved their point of withdrawal off the river and, and to wells. So I, I wonder, you know, how some of these things start to affect the others and the others that have been there for a long time. I mean, is that part of the equation? Is is more wells drawing more water out of that aquifer? Well, you 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 know, it kind of makes sense. I've heard the aquifer referred to as a bathtub, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the more people sucking water out of the bathtub, the quicker the level drops. Yep. So yeah, I can't. Uh, we um, we can't really 
you know, you can't accuse anybody of one being more than the other, but we got to remember in our area, especially here, there's way more houses and way more people, so we're all using more water. Yep. And uh, that supply, I guess, eventually uh, you probably use up the whole works in the bathtub. Yep, and, and that's exactly uh, why we have said, you know, as water rights, water supply, water access has become such a concern in recent years, uh, mm-hmm. not only because of hot and dry summers that we've experienced, but because of what's happening with fish and our streams and the questions over water rights and the massive amount of legal issues connected to all that and the history of what's happened at the state level. Uh, this is This underscores what we've been saying all along is to deal with these issues, we will need to collaborate as an entire community. We cannot segment this out piece by piece uh, because different people are affected in different ways and have different needs. So we have to work to, together as a community to find actual solutions to, to things like this rather than lining up and deciding who's first in line and you know those with more seniority get it and those with less get cut off. And it, it, That's not a sustainable future for our entire community and this is playing out again here part of the twin problems that we talk about that uh, a water rights adjudication lawsuit doesn't uh, address which is too much water around here in the winter and flooding you know we had flooding there in Ferndale we had it in Linden we had devastating flooding in Everson and Nooksack and Sumas um, in in the winter time and now not enough in the summer. We have to come up with a better solution. We have to be able to store water, manage our water system better than we are right now. Uh, Rod Erickson, dairy farmer out uh, in the Ferndale area, as well as Kevin Mayock, the uh, treasurer for the Bakerview Water Association. Best of luck to you guys. Hopefully you get those approvals done for that uh, new hole in the ground and things uh, get producing well and hopefully we get more rain soon to start uh, replenishing these aquifers as the rains do every year uh, here in our region. Thank you to both of you for being on the show this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Lindale Glass is your premier window and door company in Whatcom and Skagit County. With over 35 years of professional installation experience, you can rely on the dedicated employees at Lindale Glass to provide an exceptional install. Lindale Glass features Milgard windows and doors, leading the industry with innovative, high-quality products. You can be assured of a product that is customized for your home. No shortcuts, no gimmicks, just excellent service and exceptional quality from Milgard. Visit a Lindale showroom to learn more or online at lindaleglass.com. When you want a project done right, you do it yourself. When you can't do it yourself, you call Honkoop Gravel. The dedicated professionals in Honkoop have been serving the area since 1975. Since then, the company has expanded into a full-service civil contractor with state-of-the-art heavy equipment and GPS control capabilities. From drainage systems to large-scale site development, they'll do your custom projects too, turning your dream idea into a reality. If you need site work, you need the team at Honkoop Gravel in Linden or at honkoop.com. Confidence. It's something every kid needs for back to school, but you won't find it on any supply list. That's where a great haircut at Great Clips comes in. You can use our app to add your kids to the wait list and get them in for a confidence-boosting cut whenever it's easy for you. The skilled stylists at Great Clips will save their haircut details and clip notes so they get the look they love every time. And you can feel confident you're getting the best value around. Back to school haircuts at Great Clips. It's gonna be great. How do we earn our reputation for repairs you can trust? 
great mechanics. Yeah, quality parts. Absolutely. But the real secret is knowing the most important part of every vehicle is the driver. And here's your keys. She's already right on time. Thanks. With over 30 years of service, you can trust Bellingham Automotive to help you with any regular maintenance needs or unexpected repairs. Schedule your appointment at 360-676-5200 or visit BellinghamAutomotive.com. Attention business owners and managers, are you looking to hire? Having trouble reaching the right candidates? Do you have more job openings than applications? Secure your table now for Wednesday, September 13th in Bellingham at Four Points by Sheraton from 3 till 7 p.m. The September 13th Job Fair is a production of Cascade Radio Group and HireMeWa.com. For details and to register, talk to your CRG radio rep or send an email to jobfair at cascaderadiogroup.com. That's jobfair at cascaderadiogroup.com. The latest and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Harness the power of the sun, reduce your carbon footprint, and save on your energy bills. You can now go solar with West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. More and more farmers, other landowners here in our community, here in Whatcom County, primarily trying to figure out what they're going to do, still not... uh, much in the way of great answers after the federal government pulled the rug out from underneath and these are folks who participated in programs to help restore salmon restore habitat uh, protect wetlands farmers allowing their land to be used for these kinds of habitat restoration projects and now the support that the federal government had been giving them to make that even feasible uh, for a bunch of the projects based on some technicalities has been pulled, leaving a lot of people not knowing what they're going to do with some of these things on their land and how they're going to replace the support um, that the federal government had been giving for those uh, wildlife and, and salmon restoration areas. It's a program called CREP. You know, there's CREP and I think some CRP too, but CREP, you know, Conservation Reserve Easement Program. Uh, we talked about this last week on the show. As it, you know, the, this whole situation just came to a head last week, or at least people found out about it last week. Apparently they had been working on it since almost a year ago um, at the Farm Service Agency um, but finally informing the people that it's impacting here on the ground uh, week, uh, last week, I guess. Um, and we shared what we knew last week, uh, Fred Lickle and myself, uh, but again said it's a, this is a developing story. So this is, this is our update as we continue to follow this. Here on the Farming Show this morning, I'm Dylan Honkoop. 
here on KGMI. And uh, joining me on the phone right now is Steve Groon, uh, a guy who's who's been around this program for a long time. He's had property enrolled in the program multiple times. He's a, a guy that uh, longtime local farmer and also involved in, in you know, selling products to farmers of a variety of kinds for a long time, uh, very invested, he and his son and his family as well, in um, an increasingly holistic approach to how they farm. And so this was a part of that, I know, because I I even uh, interviewed his son, Corby, for my Real Food, Real People podcast. We talked a lot about this kind of stuff and how important it was to him and his family. Steve, talk about what, just off the bat, what is this, what does this mean for you and your family and your property um, right now as, as we find out about this here in the last couple of weeks? Well, Dylan, thanks for having me, but it, it feels like a slap in the face. It feels like a slap in the face to any of the landowners or the ag producers who have been involved in this program. Basically, I considered it almost a donation an investment in our local ecosystems, helping salmon recovery, and all the good things that come along with this. There used to be a saying out there, and I, you're a pretty young guy, but maybe you remember it. There was a <laughs> saying that people would say, my dad would say, this is as good as the U.S. government. Hmm. Well, um, now we have all received notice that many of our contracts don't, feed, don't uh, meet eligibility requirements and we're not going to continue on as they were continually as they were written to begin with. And um, technically, maybe one could argue within the fine print with legal definition that, yes, maybe the U.S. government ha- does have the right to terminate these contracts. But in principle, this is just clearly, clearly wrong. I mean, it's like you and me doing a hand- handshake deal. Um you well, know, it's even and, more than that. I mean, is, there's paperwork here. You know, it is a contract, right? Yes, there's pages and pages of paperwork, a lot of a lot of fine print, a lot of legal definition, and you and you could say within these contracts too, they're vague mm-hmm. and they're they're open to interpretation by whoever. So you know, we have to rely on our technical service providers here in the in the county that help us with these contracts and implement these programs. And we have, you know, I can say I I have trust in these people. They want to do a good job. They want to help the farmer. They want to help the community. And they're doing what they need to do uh, in everyone's best interests. But now at this point, it seems to me we have some bureaucrats somewhere along the line in D.C. or maybe at the state executive level that have decided um, these uh, contracts were written in error of their own doing, of their own interpretation. Well, yeah, and just to to recap what we talked about last week and the shocking um, information that, that broke earlier last week before we went on the air on Saturday, I think it was Wednesday or some, Wednesday or Thursday, they had a meeting uh, and told people basically the bottom line was all these habitat restoration projects that people were participating in and getting support to be able to do on their land, um, something like somewhere in the neighborhood of half of these contracts in Washington State, the vast majority of which are here in Whatcom County, uh, about half of them were being canceled because of paperwork that was not done about 20 years ago. 
where someone dropped the ball and didn't do all the right paperwork, get all the right approvals to make sure that the federal government was okay to be funding these and supporting the farmers that that did this. Now, the reality is the mistake that was made here had nothing to do with the farmers or other landowners. I suppose there are some non-farm folks involved in this as well. They didn't do anything wrong. It was the federal government, the FSA, whoever it was, made the mistake internally. And yet now, not only are they pulling the support, they're pulling backing out of these contracts at one point, and thankfully this has been dealt with and, and hopefully won't be the case, but at one point they were talking about making people pay it back when it was their fault in the first place. So anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the general recap of what we're dealing with here, and it's leaving folks like yourself, Steve, and we're talking with Steve Grun, uh, a local farmer who's not so local anymore. We can get into that and get into why here shortly. We're actually talking to him from uh, Amherst, Wisconsin, this morning um but um leaving you guys holding the bag and picking up the pieces well basically dylan i consider this the first thought that went through my head when i i read this letter and i came late to the game because i was out of town obviously is that this is a land grab mm. and now i on my farm like many of these riparian projects were uh were developed in our previously drained wetlands, which is much of Whatcom County that was turned into ag land, you know, at the beginning of the century. And now due to these, this wonderful CREP project, which has achieved many of the goals it's tried to achieve in, and I know my project has been proven to contribute to in-stream flows to critical, very critical salmon habitat within the Northern tributary of the Bertrand Creek. That's a proven fact, and it is salmon habitat, all the insect life, everything that feeds young salmon and, and uh, other species. It's all happening right there on our property. And we entered mm. a contract with the federal government to do this. I gave up tons and tons of dry matter that we could have fed our cows over the years. That being said, it wasn't the most productive land on my farm, but it made economic sense. And when you're a right. farmer, you have to take advantage of these programs with USDA to survive, especially a small family farm as we wanted to stay. We wanted to stay a small family farm doing most of our labor and continue that tradition. Well, now um, the federal government has decided they don't need to honor this. And I, I will appeal to all citizens of Whatcom County, anybody who's listening this morning, whether you're part of the uh, tribal community, uh, whether you care about fish, whether you care about orcas, whether you care about wild spaces in Whatcom County, to contact the Biden administration, the Secretary of Agriculture. It needs to go right up the food chain. I mean, yeah. right to the top, because this is this is so wrong. I mean, now we as landowners are going to be forced to do other things to pay the taxes on this property, to put it back into production, whether we want to or not. We need to do that to stay on the land. We're being assaulted from every direction in Whatcom and Skagit and Snohomish County. And uh, from government, uh, from influx of people, we want to be good neighbors. We want to be good stewards. We love wildlife on my farm. I mean, that's been a very important part of the heritage of my family for generations on this farm is to to coexist with wildlife and help 
and to help my neighbors downstream and increase in-stream flows, to increase groundwater uh, levels so farmers can irrigate, so we can all coexist together, and the tribes and, and their rights. And, you know, this, this program was a shining example of cooperation between everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, and now they want to pull the rug out from underneath us. Not to say, too, you know, there's a lot of middle-class people in Whatcom County, landowners that have enrolled, enrolled in this prog- program. And it has been, a, it's been a good income source. I'm not going to lie to that at all. But we gave up our land. We gave up our land for in-stream flows, for salmon, for wildlife, for the for the common good of the public. Even our neighbors who, who need to rightfully irrigate their specialty crops downstream. We want to live and coexist and keep, you know, these unique, uh, these wonderful, unique things about Whatcom County that we all love. Yeah. Um, stay the way they they have been or, or meet and go even go back in time to the way things to improve our ecosystem. So I appeal to all of you, please write your legislature, write USDA, the Biden administration. With, you know, I'm thinking about this too. It feels like what's touted is probably the most eco-friendly administration we've had in decades that talks about environmental justice. It talks about native rights and, and, and hordes of other issues relating to the environment that they want to do this. They want to pull the rug out from underneath this program. It's, it's working. It's worked well. It continues to work. In principle, you know, we all grew up, you know, there's there's one thing about in ag, a handshake is as good as a written signature on a contract. And that's the way farmers do business, mm-hmm. even in the agronomy business at my day job or night job, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, we do triple digits deals on a handshake in an email. I mean, that's the way it works. And if there's a problem. We talk it out, and uh, well, you gotta ask what what's the point of a contract if you know, a contract is an agreement between two parties? If one of the parties goes back, reneges on their part of the contract, which is what the feds are doing here, saying, "Well, we made a mistake, therefore they're essentially not going to uphold their end of the contract." Usually, out in the real world. If you made a contract like that, you've got to pay out the rest of the contract and or maybe even pay a, a penalty on top of that. I mean, it's, it's insane to say you have a contract. You didn't do anything wrong. We screwed up. But now you got to pay the price for it. That is absolutely upside down. By the way, this is The Farming Show. I am Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. We're talking with Steve Groon. Um, he's one of the farmers and landowners impacted by this decision by the federal government to pull the rug out from under about half of the CREP uh, habitat restoration projects in Washington State. Again, the vast majority of those are right here locally in, in Whatcom County. Um, let's go back just for a little bit of the bigger picture and how the farming community is feeling about this right now. Um, and I'm sure you can add into this, Steve, but if you think about it, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, I mean, that was the end of the era farther back than that. You know, our grandpas and great grandpas, it was, you know, uh, get the trees off, get the drainage going. Let's get more farmable land. Let's grow more food here. Right. And, and then we got to the 80s and the 90s and we started to recognize the need to also think about our streams and our fish and our water 
And it's nineties, two thousands, twenty tens, more and more progress in that direction. Recognizing that you know we need to figure out how to coexist with all of the interests and needs and issues in the in the in a watershed in our whole community. And so farmers, uh, amongst others, have learned. Wow, this stuff is important. Like you're just saying, and you recognize that it is important, and how it plays into the <laughs> ecosystem of the larger area where you farmed. And you begin to, you know, take this stuff on, even while being accused of being the ones that are, you know, raping and pillaging the earth and don't care. And and people will use the worst memes of, you know bad actors usually somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world to lambast farmers here and say that they don't care while at the same time being completely unaware of all of the you know changes in thinking and the changes in practices and all the work and investments that have been made and here we get to this point where i mean they're saying we're still struggling with fish recovery this is about esa and endangered species act listed species um the 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 spring Chinook uh, in the Nooksack being one of those. And they continue to have more and more trouble with that run. And, and they talk about the other runs, you know, the Columbia, and we got to talk about the dams and what, what was it like $20 billion that they were talking about? Could we come up with $20 billion um, to mitigate the impacts of taking the dams out of the Columbia and the snake river, whatever the whole thing was, all to you know, we got to save the fish. This is a crisis. Yet when it comes down to it, brass tacks. This is a program that's doing that, has been doing that. And the truth is, and again, actions speak louder than words to me. And I want to make sure people know what the actions are here. The federal government that's been making all this noise about all these things is going the other way. They're pulling their support rather than finding a way to actually do what they say is apparently so important. How? I mean, I'm sure you feel it, Steve, and I'm hearing from a lot of others. There's a lot of broken trust right now. Uh, I would hesitate ever again to sign up for, for a conservation program on our farm. Even though you care about doing conservation? Well, conservation, unfortunately, comes at a monetary cost. Restoration is not cheap. It's expensive. What I will say, the whole community benefits from this, specifically these CREP projects that are all over the county. I love to see them. My uncle has a very large one on his farm. I have a very large one that covers a third of my farm, believe it or not. And uh, to watch the trees grow up over the years, the wildlife moves back in. You know you're helping fish habitat. You know you're helping the orcas. If a citizen of Whatcom Skagit anywhere in Washington cares about wildlife, you're going to want to keep this program in place the way it was intended to be. Yeah. And it, it, you know, you can say, well, well, the big landowners, you know, here's another government program, another handout. No, this, this is a contract between the landowner and the federal government. NRCS was involved at the time. Yeah. Um, it's a give and take. It's a give and, and every, take. Everyone is giving something and and working together. That's mm-hmm. the point. I gave up nearly 40 acres of land on our dairy. And, uh, you know, it taxes continue to, to go up in the county. <laughs> yep. um, 
if you care about wildlife, you care about salmon, you care about orcas, you're going to care about this program. I mean, everyone is a winner with crap. Yeah. Well, and we've been talking about the impact on the farming community, and this is the farming show. But I know, uh, and I've been hearing from behind the scenes, that our local tribal folks, uh, local environmental advocates, you know, folks heavily invested in, in salmon recovery and other work. They're very upset about this as well, and they feel also the the frustration and the broken trust. Yes, well, if you read one of the you know clearly states and the general provisions of this uh, goal of this program is to prevent the natural restoration of stream hydraulic and geomorphic characteristics which meet habitat requirements of salmon. So beavers in wetlands and ponds are all part of that. They're going to help sustain stream flows during the dry season and you know what whatcom county's been like this year we are in a major drought yep yeah absolutely um and and this is you know we're just about out of time just 30 seconds left but steve we're talking with steve grun right now uh here on the farming show this is part of the reason why you said i'm out right you're you're talking to us uh, from wisconsin this morning well i'm an old guy my son being a young man he he could see in the foreseeable future. The future is not here for a young family farmer in Whatcom County, mm. the way things are trending now. So, you know, we didn't like it when you pack up your grandkids and you move 2,000 miles away from home from, a, you know, a multi-generational farm that we've made it, you know. Right. Uh, right. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, would the last farmer turn out the lights in Western Washington? And that's what it looks like right now. I'll tell you that. And, and, uh, it's just becoming increasingly harder and harder to farm, you know, in Western Washington. And then our friends at USDA, our supposed friends at USDA start to play around with farm programs that have been supporting our existence. Yeah, it's it's absolutely backwards. And this is the reality, folks. People are literally now packing up and leaving and saying this place is not friendly to farm. And for those who are passionate about farming and growing food and having a family farm, they're moving to other parts of this country um, because this this area and our local, our state and now also our federal governments and, and how all the pressures that they create combine, as well as other factors come together make it untenable uh, for family farms, many family farms to continue here. Steve Groon, we're out of time. Thank you for sharing here on the program. I think we need to probably follow up with you in the future on this because there's a lot still to develop. And I'm looking to the state of Washington to pick up some of the slack here. Uh, Am I optimistic that they will? Not necessarily. But I think by all rights, if the feds aren't going to, they should if they care about restoring salmon as well. So we'll see what happens there. Hopefully we'll uh, have you back for an update. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.